This is What the Puck, Family's Midsummer Night's Dream podcast. Family has been Denver's premier disability affirmative company for 35 years. My name is Graham Bryant. I'm an actor in the production playing the role of Demetrius, and I'll be talking to the creative, brilliant, and unique minds that make this show possible. Today I have with me Emma Maxfield, who plays Puck in our production. Woo! So we finally have Puck on What the Puck. Uh, Emma, could you please share some of your background and involvement in theater? Yes, of course. Um, I have been a very active member of the Denver theater community for about 15 years now. Nice. Um, yeah, it's it's been a long time. Denver and I have been in an it's complicated kind of relationship <laughs> for quite a long time now. Yeah, and I have always been drawn to the theater. It's my favorite way to tell stories, and that's kind of something that I feel... I've always felt super passionate about. Like, I feel most of myself when I'm telling stories, and one of my favorite ways to do so is through theater because of the, you know, intimate connection that you get with the audience and the people that you're doing it with. And I have had the genuine pleasure of working on various different kinds of projects across that 15 years from like musicals that are straight up Broadway to like new work now to Shakespeare to new straight plays. Like I love being a part of interesting stories and I feel like I'm in my weird era right now. I am making choices uh, with shows and with roles, it's filling my heart to be weird and to make weird, comedic, clowny choices. That is like one of the warmest answers and or like, <laughs> you know, framing of yeah. what theater is or what phase of life you're yeah, just in right now. Yeah, yeah, it feels super, it feels super accurate. Like I, with um, with more of an awareness of my sense of self and who I am and when I feel the most myself. I'm trying to authentically push into those ideas. And and my weird era is one of those efforts because I really have gotten so much life out of comedy and like silliness and having to be pulled back by directors um, and really like having the courage to just like be weird. Have you always been the kind of actor who just keeps going forward until they tell you to pull back yeah yeah always it is kind of emblematic of the theater era that i grew up in the it's better to ask forgiveness than permission which you know bred a lot of problems but as far <laughs> as like the willingness to try aspect yes definitely i've always been somebody who has an idea kind of thinks through it three-dimensionally in the scope of the story and then goes well they'll tell me if they hate it <laughs> so <laughs> emma this is a question i've been asking everybody mm -hmm. else who's come on the podcast yeah. and the way that i mean it in its intent is if you had to sum up the experience of coming to see midsummer in one sentence <sighs> if you could sum up all of the themes or all of the ideas of the show into one sentence, what would your one sentence pitch be? Oh, that's really interesting. Um, I would say it's a hard, that's a hard question because there are so many things going on right. and because there are so many things going on, there are so many themes. Mm -hmm. um, I would say this experience is a case 
for clear communication in relationships. <laughs> that is something that I love about it, and I think that's what makes it such a strong comedic piece. So Midsummer Night's Dream is a story about a lot of people who learn to talk to each other, and through that learning to communicate, they also learn how to love each other. So this is your first time working with family. What made you want to work with this company and this production? Mm -hmm. um, one of my goals, I like to give myself career goals at the top of every new year. And one of my theater goals for this year was to actually be in a fully produced Shakespeare something something with a professional company because I just never it's never worked out up to this point I either was already busy or it was like a reading or you know I just had never done the full full Shakespeare experience and I really wanted to do that as someone who grew up reading Shakespeare does a lot of Shakespearean research loves you know consuming Shakespeare and the family element of it comes in in that, like, I knew so many folks who were so deeply involved who kept telling me, there's a place for you here. You are very much wanted. They would love for you to come out and audition. But I think there was a, an element of uh, kind of fear there for me because I have been working in Denver for so long. I knew that in tandem with me coming to terms with my own status as a disabled person, mm -hmm. it would kind of be like I was outing myself to the whole Denver theater community and that people would have opinions and comments and things to say. And they have, but I don't care. Because honestly, all of the boxes were checked for this project. I was free. Time-wise, I felt super secure and being able to have those conversations with people who might be like, well, I didn't know you were disabled. And it, it felt like the kind of show that would offer me the opportunity to continue my weird era. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I personally really appreciate you saying that because mm -hmm. I don't think that's something that is acknowledged or yeah. discussed a lot, which is when you are able to pass as not having a disability. Mm -hmm. Do you want to put that label next to your name when directors are thinking about working with you or casting you? Yeah. And it is a privilege, right, that I can walk around and you can walk around and we pass mm -hmm. to a certain extent mm -hmm. as able-bodied people. Mm -hmm. But... The reality is that it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter, but it does matter. And the kinds of conversations that I have had after I've started requesting, being empowered through my experience with family to continue to ask for the access needs that I, I have always needed, but now feel like I'm allowed to ask for. The conversations that I've had with people at other professional companies have ranged from super accommodating and lovely to so tell me more about uh you being disabled because i saw you in x show however many years ago and you did everything in that show. <laughs> so tell me explain what you mean by being disabled 
Uh, yeah. And that's a really horrible question to ask someone, listeners at home. Don't ask <laughs> someone. <laughs> Don't ask someone that question. But the reality of all of that is, is that no one knows who you are when you're not on stage. No one knows what you put up with inside your own body, inside your brain, when you're not on stage. So who is anyone to say, based on a caricature of yourself that you market <laughs> to get cast and stuff, what you are or are not? Um, and that's kind of where I came to. I feel like what a lot of professionals in the industry don't realize about the consequences of hiring actors with disabilities is the work becomes great. Yeah. Like it, like honestly, just this entire process has just been, wow, this show is just getting better and better as we are meeting each other at our levels yeah. and are getting what we need. And finally the, the text and the yeah. characters are all clicking into place. Yeah. It's because everybody feels comfortable. Who'd have thought? Mm -hmm. And everybody feels safe to make mistakes. Yeah. That's fantastic. And it's just been a great experience working with you so far. I've oh, had a great you. time, even though my character is never conscious when no. we do interact. <laughs> no. So kind of on that note, though, I want to talk more specifically about this production. Yeah. What has been your method for approaching Robin Goodfellow, a.k.a. Puck? Mm -hmm. How does it feel to be playing this character? And what has been your train of thought through what we've worked on so far? Yeah, that was actually a really big, I don't know if struggle is the right word for it, but it's been a process. Mm -hmm. Because Puck is one of those kinds of characters that even if people don't know the full context of the story, Puck has kind of invaded pop culture in these ways. So people have a lot of thoughts, feelings, ideas about what Puck is and what Puck should be like. It's saying to be or not to be or all the world's a stage. Yeah, You're having exactly. to say the words that yeah. everybody has inserted into casual conversation yeah. without even having ever maybe experienced the work right. before. If we shadows have offended. Like, the, <laughs> the, the, I have one of those at the end of the show. And then looking at different source material as well... They run the gamut. Like, the lauded older performances were very classical British folktale. And then there's the modern, like, the Julie Taymor, where Puck is this, like, kind of scary acrobat who works for the royal fairies and kind of, like, swings in and out. And it felt really important to me that, to the, like, to the tune of our whole conversation, right, that first... Puck felt right in my body. So it took me a minute to find what style of movement matched the style of language I was speaking, which then would allow me to kind of build something. And pretty early on, when Shelly and I were kind of talking through, is my Puck, what is my understanding of my Puck's gender presentation? What is my understanding of my Puck's age? Like, you know... I kept coming back to this idea of a 12 to 13 year old boy who is always 12 or 13, kind of Peter Pan-like, mm -hmm. rascally. Sometimes he's a bully. Sometimes he's dumb. Sometimes he zones out in the middle of a conversation. And something about 
that place for this character, which is fully supported by and was probably spurred by how human everyone else is taking their characters all of our people feel very much like real people and i don't think that's always the case with this show like i think this is one of the first times i've seen our lovers be actually relatable oh thanks yeah no and and normally specifically demetrius people are like go away Mm -hmm. you know so i think we're all kind of finding these beautiful grounded human elements of these fantastical people in fantastical situations but when i tried that the first time and i found some physicality to go with that idea I was like, oh, yeah, okay. (laughs) This is who this person can be for me in this show, which then allowed me to find moments of really traditional clowny comedy. Yeah, I see that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And uh, play with the idea that, like, he knows a lot, but he also doesn't know a lot. He knows what he knows, but he is not this, like, omniscient, all-knowing godlike figure he's just a kid who's always been a kid who's always gonna be a kid who does mature a little bit by the end but yeah that's kind of been my my process and i'm still actively teasing that out there are moments in the show that i'm not quite not quite happy with yet that i will probably continue trying stuff until we freeze it yeah i'm not locked in either so i'm feeling you on that yeah absolutely but i like 12 or 13 year old boy hmm. as the shrewd and knavish sprite yeah basically yeah as referred to as this. piggybacking on Alyssa's conversation with you i don't puck doesn't use much elevated language other than the fact that all of the language is elevated because it's it was written you know when it was written the way that puck describes things is just like the way that they are and it's not unless we are you know casting a spell It's all very grounded, and I would say it's pretty easy to understand. And so there's an element of that as well. Puck is also kind of easy perspective for the audience to sit in as well, and it feels relatable to channel that shrewd and knavish 13-year-old from down the street. Thank you for that. Yeah, of course. So as you kind of mentioned Mm. in your introduction, wanting to now go even further back, Yeah. You have been a figure in the Denver arts community, and you've worked with many companies Mm -hmm. and had a rich history up to this point. Not a small question at all, but what does the Denver community mean to you? First of all, that's very kind of you to say. Um, I blush. I don't know. (laughs) It's weird to have kind of a public persona and know that people probably have opinions about me before they meet me. That's just a strange, that's a strange thing. That is a strange thing to like know is happening about you. Cause I'm actually like, just like a really huge goober who just really <laughs> cares about stuff. So that's one part of it that's really interesting. And then another part of it is I made this joke earlier, but I'm going to circle back to it. It's complicated. Being in relationship with anyone, let alone an entire community of artists for 15 years, is like, you've gone through so many traumatic things together. You've gone through so many beautiful things together. 
you've had to fight, you've had to disown, you've had to reconnect, you've had to reconcile. It is so representative of a, of a, a broken kind of familial dynamic as evidenced by why I was most recently in the newspaper <laughs> um, with uh, the cast of Corpus Christi that was recently at the People's Building, wherein all of those elements were very much on display. We came together as a cast in the face of situations that were truly horrific. And it was interesting having been in the circuit, doing air quotes, for as long as I have been, I, I saw things, I think, earlier than some did and have kind of taken on this older sibling, aunt, parental, uncle figure for the folks who are younger, whether in experience or in age, because one of my goals now, in addition to telling beautiful stories and commitment to my weird. I don't want anyone to have to go through the piles of horrendous things that I had to go through to get where I am right now. If I can save one person one night of heartbreak over this and still empower them to do the thing and make the art and have the triumphs and the failures, but not feel in one instance demeaned as a human being or devalued as a human being, that is something that I would honestly give my whole career up for because it's not worth it. That 15 years was bought with my flesh, <laughs> basically. I paid for every one of those 15 years and it's so empowering in this moment then to be able to put on an event like Into the Fire where we're going to get to tell stories, where we are going to get to share pieces of art that we really love, where we are going to get to stick up for those in the community who might not feel like they have a voice. Uh, for the listeners at home, could you talk about what Into the Fire is yeah. if they're not familiar with it on Facebook? <laughs> yeah, <yet>? totally. <laughs> um, Into the Fire is uh, started as an idea that I had in my in my home with my roommate and I was like what if we put on a cabaret fundraiser to try to make up some lost wages that were stolen in this project and it then grew as the story grew and now it is a night of storytelling performance and solidarity we're being graciously hosted at the bug theater check it out it's a great little local space the folks over there are amazing i've worked with them a lot and it is something i hope we never have to do again in response to a big event of injustice where the community needs an excuse to come together but for the purposes of this it is a fundraiser we'll be uh, selling art in one of the most creative ways i've come up with <laughs> and and i'm not going to tell you what it is Good. you just have to come um, we're selling art by local artists who have donated their pieces. You're going to see performances that run from poetry to opera to uh, spoken word to, I think we're even going to screen a little bit of a film. 
that it truly is the the spectrum of art, um, mainly featuring folks who were in Corpus Christi, as that is where the the fundraising efforts are going to go. Anything over and above what we need to raise to cover the stolen wages, we're going to, as a group, come together and pick a charity and send the rest. And then we're we're telling stories. So I've invited folks with very specific and very unique perspectives on the Denver theater community, including Ben, our wonderful artistic director, to kind of talk about theater and them and hopefully open conversations. It's not the type of event that's like public humiliation. What like that's not what it is. It is the chance that some of us have been waiting for to be honest and to be in a community that supports our honesty. When is it taking place mm-hmm. and what is admission looking like? Yeah, of course. August 14th, we'll start around 7. Doors will be at 6.30. Um, ticketing can either be purchased at the door unless we sell out and is available online. And tickets are donation-based. I have two buying options. I have a just a completely open to donate whatever you feel the ticket is worth. And then I have a like a base ticket price that's $5. Cool. So I don't want anyone to... And the, the bug is completely accessible for folks who may have mobility needs or be wheelchair users or you know any accessibility need the bug is accessible so that's really wonderful as well that's amazing i'm looking forward to it i've i think i got my ticket last night hey (laughs) all right wrapping up which aspect of this production referring to midsummer night's dream now Mm -hmm. not into the fire yeah which aspect of this production are you most excited for audiences to experience it's just really good theater and i i don't know how else to say that like people are going to be blown away by the caliber of performance everyone is giving it is the most well-developed ensemble piece that i've been a part of in quite some time and i think all of the the visual elements and the the design elements and the music elements and all of it i think it just even more adds to how just genuinely impressive this is going to be. It's just going to be a good show. And I don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not lying. Great. It's going to be a great show. And that's as, as you, you are think. as you are an honest puck. As I am an honest puck. Fantastic. <laughs> Emma, thank you so much for joining me today. A Midsummer Night's Dream will be playing at the Kelstrom Theater at the Denver Center for the Performing Arts from August 17th to September 2nd. For accommodations and ticketing info, you can visit family.org. That's P-H-A-M-A-L-Y dot O-R-G. We hope you join us in the merriment and festivities. And with that, see you around. Goodbye! <laughs>